Hello students we are back with another podcast this time we are going to talk about the placenta so what is placenta by definition the placenta is a temporary it's discoid it's a hemochorionic and a fetomaternal organ which is present in the uterus during the stages of pregnancy next is the formation of placenta the formation of placenta is best understood when we divide it into three specific stages they are implantation the decidua reaction and the chorionic villi formation what is meant by implantation as you know post fertilization the blastocyst is still covered with the zona pellucida and this is now moving inside the fallopian tube and will eventually come into the uterine body that is the upper segment of the uterine body here the zona pellucida is lost with the loss of the zona pellucida the trophoblast is exposed in the uterine environment now the trophoblast starts to develop its two formations which are the cytotrophoblast and the syncytiotrophoblast the syncytiotrophoblast which is made up of a multinucleated structure without any cell membrane separating the cells of the syncytiotrophoblast eats into the uterine wall and this eating into the uterine wall is specifically called as the stage of implantation this generally takes place around 6th to 7th day after fertilization this is essentially a function of the syncytiotrophoblast after the stage of implantation comes the stage of decidua formation decidua reaction is a phenomena which is seen in the uterine wall due to the implantation of the blastocyst so after the implantation of the embryo the uterine endometrium is now called as a decidua and here the stromal cells of the uterine endometrium enlarges and becomes vacuolated and stores glycogen and lipid this particular transformation of the stromal cells is referred to as the decidual reaction because of this the uterine endometrium gets divided into three types of decidua the decidua basalis is the part where the implantation has taken place and it is that particular portion where the placenta is forming the part of the decidua that covers the rest of the blastocyst and separates the 
blastocyst from or the developing embryo from the uterine lumen is referred to as the decidua capsularis. Whereas the rest of the uterine body is still lined by these decidua cells and that portion is referred to as the decidua parietalis. As stages are forming, these three levels of decidua, number one basalis, where the trophoblast after dividing into cyto and syncytiotrophoblast has embedded into the uterine wall. Number two, the developing embryo is covered by another layer which is called as the decidua capsularis, whereas the portion which is lining the rest of the uterine wall is referred to as the decidua parietalis. The next topic is the formation of the chorionic villi and we will discuss it in a separate segment. Thank you. Welcome to the second segment of the podcast on placenta. In this episode, we are going to talk about the formation of the chorionic villi. So the chorionic villi formation is extremely important for the formation of the placenta because the chorionic villi is formed from the trophoblast derivatives. And this is the one that will actually form the blood vessels which are essential for exchange of the nutrients from the blood of the maternal side to that of the fetal side. So the chorionic villi are first formed all over the trophoblast. That means here we are talking about the outer wall of the syncytial trophoblast. But slowly the villi which are related with the decidua basalis, only they persist and they form the placenta which is a disc shaped mass. Now this side of the chorion is hence referred to as the chorionic fondosome. The rest of the villi which are related to the decidua capsularis are temporary and they degenerate leading to the chorion becoming smooth and this is referred to as the chorionic levy. The trophoblast is primarily made up of a single layer of cell which then subdivides into a nucleated cell membrane cellular structure called as the cytotrophoblast from where another layer is derived where there is no cell membrane but only nuclei. So it becomes a multinucleated structure referred to as the syncytiotrophoblast. The syncytiotrophoblast, as we have learned, is the one that grows into the uterine wall. So a primary villi consists of a central core of cytotrophoblast, which is covered by a layer of syncytiotrophoblast. Multiple primary villi are formed and the gap 
that exists between two adjacent villi is referred to as an intervillous space. The secondary villi has got three layers. There is an outer syncytiotrophoblast, an intermediately placed cytotrophoblast, and an inner layer of extra embryonic mesoderm. The secondary villi is different from the tertiary villi in that the innermost extra embryonic mesoderm has now transformed into blood vessels. This is referred to as a tertiary villi. So a tertiary villi is one where the outermost layer is that of syncytiotrophoblast, then an intermediate layer of cytotrophoblast and an innermost layer of blood vessels derived from the extra embryonic mesoderm. A secondary villi is one which is formed by an outer syncytiotrophoblast, intermediate cytotrophoblast and an inner core of extra embryonic mesoderm. So after formation of these primary villi, secondary villi and tertiary villi, there is a intervillous space as we have talked about. So these intervillous spaces are now filled up with maternal blood. Why? Because the syncytiotrophoblast is eating into the maternal uterine wall. Inside the maternal uterine wall, there are presence of the maternal uterine blood vessels. So, the syncytiotrophoblast basically eats into the wall of the maternal uterine blood vessels and the blood from the maternal side is now present in the intervillous spaces. So, after the maternal blood is present in the intervillous spaces, the nutrition from the maternal blood will be exchanged with the fetal blood. But this will now happen through multiple layers. So those multiple layers are the number one is the endothelium of the fetal blood vessel with the basement membrane. Next is the surrounding mesoderm. Then we have the cytotrophoblast and finally is the syncytiotrophoblast. So these four layers from inside out, that means the endothelium of the fetal blood vessel surrounded by the mesoderm, surrounded by the cytotrophoblast and the syncytiotrophoblast. These four layers form what is called as a placental barrier or a placental membrane. So that is about the formation of the chorionic villi. Now once the chorionic villi is formed, the formation of the placenta is complete. Thank you. Hello students, we are back with the third segment of the podcast on placenta. In this particular podcast we will discuss about further development of placenta and the different anomalies of the placenta that are seen. So 
as we have already formed the chorionic villi and we have basically formed the placenta in our previous podcast here we will understand what is the next stage so now you can understand that the placenta is having two sides one of the side is to the side where the embryo is attached that means where you will be finding the umbilical blood vessels on the other side is basically in con- contact with the uterine wall so that particular surface is also referred to as the maternal surface so the placenta is now becoming subdivided into a number of lobes by septa that grow into the intervillous space from the maternal side and these small lobes are called as the maternal cotyledons so the maternal side is identified by the presence of maternal cotyledons and how are the cotyledons formed cotyledons are formed by septa that grow into the intervillous space from the maternal side so what about the fetal aspect the each lobe now contains a number of anchoring villi and their smaller branches and one such villi with its branches constitute the fetal cotyledon so fetal cotyledons are identified by the presence of the anchoring villi whereas maternal cotyledons are basically the septa that are going into the intervillous space and then dividing the placenta the maternal surface is generally rough and is subdivided into cotyledons whereas the fetal surface which is also called as the chorionic plate is lined by the amnion it is much smooth and it is not divided into cotyledons and it is to be identified by the presence of the umbilical cord on this particular surface so maternal side identified by presence of maternal cotyledons whereas fetal side is identified by the presence of the umbilical vessels now definitely you know about a number of functions of the placenta we will not talk about all the function we will talk only about two hormones that are secreted by the placenta they are most importantly the progesterone and the estrogen the progesterone that is secreted by the placenta is essential for the maintenance of the pregnancy when the corpus luteum is no more present and estrogen mainly the estriol which is again produced by the placenta it reaches the maternal blood and promotes the uterine growth and development of the mammary gland so progesterone helps in maintenance of the pregnancy whereas the estrogen prepares the uterine wall as well as the rest of the maternal body for 
the pregnancy and the events that will happen that will happen thereof other few things that are also produced by the placenta as hormonal component are the beta hcg or what is called as the human chorionic gonadotropin its actions are very much similar to that of the luteinizing hormone which is secreted by the hypophysis cerebri this is basically a gonadotropin which is secreted through the maternal urine and its importance lies in this fact je during pregnancy tests which are done through pregnancy test kit by dropping a drop of urine in the pregnancy test kit and seeing whether it is positive or not it is because of the gonadotropin that is being excreted through the maternal urine the presence in the urine will tell that the patient is pregnant or not so a question that is generally asked is that a urine test can tell that the patient is pregnant or not the other hormone that is secreted is called as the somatomammotropin which is an anti insulin effect on the mother this particular hormone increases the availability of the plasma level of the glucose and the amino acids in the maternal circulation and thereby it helps in its increase availability to the fetus so that is the function of the somatomammotropin remember because of this somatomammotropin pregnant mothers will generally show a higher level of glucose in their blood but it necessarily does not mean that the patient is suffering from diabetes mellitus it has to be ascertained whether the mother is pregnant or not so if it is during pregnancy then it is because of somatomammotropin hormone which has got anti insulin effect so we'll complete this particular podcast with this discussion thank you hello students we are back with another segment on placenta this time we are going to talk about the various abnormalities of placenta the first abnormality of placenta is associated with its implantation so this is again of two varieties number 1 if it is implanted outside the uterus then we refer to it as an ectopic implantation an ectopic implantation leads to an ectopic pregnancy the most common site of an ectopic pregnancy because of an ectopic implantation is the fallopian tube itself the second problem with abnormal site of implantation is in the uterine wall itself but not in the upper uterine segment posterior wall but in the lower uterine segment so when the placenta 
is attached or implanted to the lower uterine segment then it is referred to as a placenta previa placenta previa is generally categorized in four different degrees where the first degree maintains that the placenta extend into the lower uterine segment but it does not reach the internal os the second degree is where the placenta reaches the internal os but does not cover it a third degree placenta previa is one where the edge of the placenta covers the internal os but with the dilatation of the os the placenta is no longer occluded the internal os the fourth degree or the worst is one where the placenta has completely covered the internal os and occludes the os even when it has dilated completely remember placenta previa is a medical emergency it should be diagnosed pre birth through usg and necessary steps has to be taken before the birth of the baby if a placenta previa is suspected if a placenta previa is developing then an early separation of the placenta previa from the uterine wall will lead to a massive hemorrhage through the vagina which is called as an antepartum hemorrhage ante here is a n t e antepartum hemorrhage so the commonest cause of antepartum hemorrhage is a bleeding placenta previa the second anomaly of the placenta is in its shape so we know the normal shape is a disc one or a discoid so what are the other different shapes that a placenta can be it can be a bidiscoidal meaning it is basically made up of two small discs it is a lobed one that means here there is one umbilical cord unlike a bidiscoidal where there are two umbilical cords but in case of a lobed the single umbilical cord is now surrounded by small lobes of the placenta then there is a third which is called as a diffuse variety here the chorionic villi persist all around the blastocyst and the placenta is basically very thin there is a placenta succincturiata where a small part of the placenta is separated from the rest of it next one is a fenestrated where there is a hole in the disc and the last one is a circumvallate papilla or sorry a circumvallate placenta where the peripheral edge of the placenta is covered by a circular fold of the decidue these are the six variants in the shape of the placenta finally placenta can be abnormal because of the attachment of the umbilical cord a marginal placenta is one where the cord is attached at the margin of the placenta 
This is also referred to as a battledoor placenta. The other one is called as a forked placenta when the blood vessels divide even before they reach the placenta and they enter the placenta as multiple blood vessels. When the blood vessels are attached to the amnion and they eventually come together before reaching the placenta, then it is called as a velamentous insertion. So these are the various abnormalities that are seen with the placenta. Thank you. Hello students, we are back with the last segment of the placenta and here we will discuss about twinning. When a mother gives birth to two infants at the same time, they are called as twins. If there are three, we call them as triplet, if four, we call them as quadruplet and like this simultaneously. Twins can actually be produced in two ways. Number one. When two ova are released simultaneously from the ovary and both of them are fertilized separately. So because of this, what will happen? That a twin will develop who will be completely separated from each other because they are developing by fusion between two separate secondary oocytes and two separate sperms. So these are referred to as a dizygotic or fraternal twins. As they develop separately, they are independently in their genetic constitution. So they are not of the same sex, nor do they resemble each other. And their genetic as well as phenotypic characters can also be separate. Genetically, they are definitely distinct. Even phenotypically, both of them, it is not necessary that they should be of the same sex. The second way of formation of a twin is when they are arising from a single fertilized ovum. These are referred to as the monozygotic or the maternal twins. Here, the genetic constitution of the two twins is exactly the same and hence they are always of the same sex and they are also alike in appearance. Monozygotic twins are produced in either of one of the three ways. They are the cells formed in the first few divisions of the zygote are basically totipotent. That means they can give rise to any cell. So what will happen? That this particular, during this particular division, in the very primary stages of division of the zygote, here only two cell masses are formed. So these two cells that are formed they by in the during the first they are now separate and they develop independently here they will have a separate amniotic cavity as well as a separate chorionic cavity hence these type of twins are referred to as a 
ডাইঅ্যামনিওটিক ডাইকোরিওনিক মোনোজাইগোটিক টুইনস দ্য নেক্সট ওয়ান ইজ হোয়ার দ্য এমব্রিও হ্যাজ ডেভেলপড টু দ্য স্টেজ অফ দ্য মরিউলা now as the blastocyst is formed with an inner cell mass within it now it develops into a complete fetus so there are actually formation of two inner cell masses so inside the blastocyst there is now formation of two inner cell masses in this particular case we will have a monochorionic diamniotic monozygotic twin here we have one single chorionic cavity but two amniotic cavity inside a single chorionic cavity and developmentally they are coming from a single zygote hence referred to as a monozygotic twin the third one is when the inner cell mass which is already developed completely has separated into two parts so here we will get a monochorionic and a monoamniotic monozygotic twin in majority of this monoamniotic monochorionic twinning what we find is called as a siamese twin or a conjoint twin because the inner cell mass was developing as one but then there was some change where it got divided into two so there are cells there are tissues that are interconnecting the two fetuses so when the two fetuses are interconnected by their head we call them as a craniophagic if they are connected by the thorax we call them as thoracopagus similarly if they are connected by their abdomen they are referred to as the abdomino or pelvicopagic so these are the various types of twins or twinning that is seen so one is a monozygotic which is a maternal twinning where the fetus is basically developed after one ovum and one sperm has fused with each other to form a zygote a dizygotic or a fraternal twin is where the two maternal oocyte are fertilized by two sperms giving rise to two separate zygotes hence referred to as a dizygotic twin thank you Thank you.